Who do you think would win? Sirius Black with no wand just escaped from Azkaban prison. So he's an animagus and that's it. Sirius Black or Wilby from the Shaggy Dog? <laughs> the Shaggy Dog in the sequel becomes the Shaggy DA. But it's not Wilby anymore. It is. Hmm? <laughs> it is Wilby still. All right. Well, no, no. <laughs> And so he could just send Sirius back to prison. Oh, you're right. (laughs) That's Sirius's only weakness. It's the law. Oh, man. A little did he know he was tangling with the master of prisons. We'll be just stomped. (laughs) I do have to acknowledge Sirius, though, because Sirius has never been my favorite character in Harry Potter. What? Yeah, I know. No, but the dude, he is like, he is unstoppable. He is tenacious. He escaped Azkaban. By starving himself until he was thin enough to fit through the bars as a dog. (laughs) And then, emaciated, he swam to England. (laughs) You know, after having his soul sucked out, he pulled a freaking Robin Hood men in tights. It doesn't make any sense. Azkaban, they say it's in the middle of the North Sea. The North Sea is like off the coast of Denmark. You can't swim to England from the North Sea. (laughs) You're underestimating the power of the dog paddle. (laughs) I mean, the dog paddle is pretty good. But so even if we give him some slack and we say, well, maybe they meant like, you know, the North Sea near Scotland, right? Like as close as possible to Scotland. There are some currents that would carry him towards Britain instead of towards Denmark, where they should have carried him. But even then... He turns up in Surrey, where Harry lives, which is on the other side of England, like (laughs) less than a week later, just a few days later, which means that either half-starved, half-drowned, soul-sucked Sirius landed in Scotland and then walked to London just to check on Harry, who was coming to Scotland in a few weeks anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Or he rode the current of the water down the coast for several days to like Suffolk or Essex. (laughs) And this is possible because there's a lot of river runoff, so he could have sustained himself drinking like half-salinated river water. (laughs) (laughs) and then and then getting out to like catch a rabbit and eat and then jumping back into the freezing ocean just to ride the current some more just to get to harry (laughs) dude serious he is unstoppable all that just to catch a glimpse of harry and then run away (laughs) yeah but also, like, you've heard those stories about, like, a dog that gets left on a road trip in one state Whoa. and makes it back to the other state. And, like, <laughs> and that's in America, you know? That's, like, huge distances. Not like, you know, the UK, which is slightly smaller, so... It totally fits, though. Because, like, by that time, he was basically more dog than man. Because yeah. the way he described it in the books, the Dementors were, like, sucking out his soul and turning him insane like everyone else there. But the only way he clung on to any amount of, like, sapience was by turning into a dog and they couldn't quite sense him as well as a dog so they wouldn't suck yeah. his soul as much so he was probably more dog than human <laughs> he's like yes. i gotta go home <laughs> gotta go find my master <laughs> yeah. i don't know about this but like could he use possibly wandless magic because the trace is only on children right so technically yeah. once he's out of azkaban if he could use wandless magic if he knew how he would have yeah. been able to he doesn't seem to know how Anytime he's without a wand, he doesn't seem to be able to do much. No, <laughs> well, and even with a wand, he mostly just dies. <laughs> no, I mean, Peter Pettigrew, by all rights, was incredibly correct to be terrified of Sirius Black. Like, he's just this unstoppable, angry Terminator dog. Like, this horrific dark wizard just hunting him down. <laughs> like, Sirius is nuts. Just to recap for our listeners, what we're doing is a Harry Potter extravaganza. Over the course of the next few months, we're going to be covering every Harry Potter movie, specifically looking for evidence for a few theories, including but not limited to the theory that Ron is an evil wizard who cast Imperius on Hermione to make her fall in love with him. Also, Hagrid is an evil wizard who is a Death Eater and working with Voldemort. Or Dumbledore is an evil wizard who just wanted power and was trying to use the students to basically amass an army. Or Snape was a good wizard and was Harry's father. (laughs) Those are the theories we're covering. All great theories. And to introduce ourselves, I'm Leif Eric. I'm here with my brother Torvald and special guest, my sister Brita. But Brita, I wanted to ask, could you explain just, you know, quickly for our listeners, what is the trace when, when, you, when you mentioned that? Because uh, that might actually yeah. be important for some of our theories. 
Yeah, and that is, uh, it comes up pretty quickly in this here movie, uh, but the trace is uh, some sort of magic spell, I assume, <laughs> that the Ministry casts on all underage witches and wizards. Sounds like a breach of privacy to me. But And interestingly, the trace only matters if you're like Muggleborn, because they don't <laughs> care know, if you use if magic in a house spells, it's fine. that has adult ma- uh, w- wizards, because they'll assume that like, oh, well, an adult wizard was supervising them or something. <laughs> well, they uh, don't care. They don't care about Filthy little mudbloods. <laughs> no, but yeah, so it's only for students like Harry, where he's known to be in a house with no wizard adults to supervise him. If he uses magic, that's against the law, and the trace will uh, notify the ministry. Okay. Basically, legalized racism and segregation. <laughs> <laughs> Should we start off talking about this movie, where the movie starts, which goes along really well with our trace discussion, which is Harry uh, practicing the spell Lumus Lumus Maxima, Maxima. which is not a spell. (laughs) Maxima is a qualifier. That is never, ever used ever again. If you could just add Maxima to the end of a spell to make it more powerful, why isn't every Avada Kedavra and Avada Kedavra Maxima? (laughs) Uh, I will say this is supported by the games. In the Harry Potter video game, the mobile game, one of your close friends, Ben, and another uh, friend of yours named Badia, who is known to have invented a spell before, uh, collaborate to invent the spell Flipendo Maxima, which is just wow. a powerful version of Flipendo. Flipendo? That's the <laughs> oh game's God, favorite spell. <laughs> Flipendo is already a really powerful spell. It's all, yeah. it's all That's you like need in the, the game. best dueling spell. Like, what, what is Harry doing just screwing around with Rick DeSempera? <laughs> he uses yeah. Rick DeSempera. Tickling people. <laughs> Rick DeSempera is not a very good spell in the games. <laughs> Yeah, this whole scene's stupid. He's he's casting a fake spell, and he can't cast magic outside of school. Vernon says so, like, literally 10 seconds later. In the next scene, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just yeah. the dumbest scene that it's they weird. just inserted here. Just like, hey, let's start the It's mo-. for the title sequence. <laughs> it is, and it feels like an animatronic attraction on a Harry Potter ride, right? Like, <laughs> feels like you would be in the cart, and you would slowly go past this animatronic Harry Potter who's casting Lumis Maxim over and over. <laughs> then animatronic Vernon comes in and says, what? that what's going on and then leaves and then harry potter casts Lumus <laughs> maxima again <Wow>. right <laughs> quick trigger warning that I, I need to put at the beginning just so you know we are going to talk about perhaps some of your beloved characters and we might say that they're evil we might even especially in this one be talking about what could be your favorite movie and we love all the harry potter movies but we might not like this particular movie we might have a lot of criticisms hey, so Liz, you know what's the worst harry potter movie i would <laughs> Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh no! Rita, what's the worst Harry Potter movie? You gotta save us. Fantastic Harry Potter and the Cursed them. Child. Oh, okay, you're right. You're right. I, did, I wasn't including Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Fantastic Beasts is nothing compared to how abysmal The Crimes of Grindelwald was. Just that whole series. <laughs> I'm gonna criticize this movie a bit. I don't like the first half of this movie, but I actually think the second half of this movie is genius. And we're going to get to that. And I've seen the second half way more than I've seen the first half. Okay. What's interesting here is this is the first time they changed the director. And I think this was sort of like the people who knew they were going to be with the series throughout. So like the producer and a lot of the production designers, they decided to take their moment to be like, okay, we're going to make a uniform look for the rest of the films. And that's what the third movie does is it changes everything, but then it stays consistently more or less that way through the rest of the series. But that was a good decision to make if they knew they were going to be juggling directors from now on. That said, the third one is still a very different tone than any of the ones that come afterward. I mean, there's lots of weird things they do with it. Like, they all wear normal clothes now instead of their school uniforms. And (laughs) it's also just like the way it's shot is all moody and angsty and emo. And the wizarding world is, it gets so grungy and gross. It's like... (laughs) Everywhere is Nocturne Alley now. And they all dress like they're part of like a grungy 70s British punk band. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this is reflecting like Harry growing up, right? He used to see the positive side of things, but now... He's matured a bit and he sees things He's how only they really 13. Are. He's grown up. <laughs> what other completely unique and original works has Alfonso Cuaron come up with? Just refresh my memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. He made gravity. Wait, the one with Sandra Bullock? Yeah. 
Oh. He didn't make gravity. Um, he claims he that gravity, gravity just came to him. That he just he just it just came to him. He wrote it in like two days and it was wonderful. Yeah, and he happened to write it for the studio <laughs> that already had the script for gravity from a different <laughs> writer. Yeah, there's another writer who writes on the show Rizzoli and Isles, was optioned by a studio that was later bought by a bigger studio, but there was a clause in her contract that if that studio got bought by a bigger studio, they still have to fulfill the agreement, the contract. Oh, okay. So that's good. So I'm sure they honored that clause <laughs> they made <laughs> her sure movie everything was fine. gravity and i'm certain they made this decision consciously i don't know why we're yes. talking about this but they made this decision consciously they only credited alfonso cuaron as writer and director and that's because alfonso cuaron for the most part is seen as an auteur who writes and directs all his movies Anyway, if you ask Alfonso Cuaron, he's like, yeah, it just came to me. And I think in the mind of a very self-centered director, things like this do just come to him. He's like, I read the script and, and then it came to me. Like, <laughs> and then, then it's mine. Like, um, Anyway, they never settled with her. She took them to court several times. But because yeah, she got nothing. Up, she's going up against big wigs, you know, they just buy the court. Like, it didn't even go her, to court. So they could drag it out, right? The judges, every single time she went to court, just threw it out. Judges are so stupid. I hate it. It's judges. so stupid. It's just because, and she was like, like, I don't have enough money to keep doing this. So I just stopped. Alfonso <laughs> Cuaron, great right. guy. He was the director for this movie. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I got to give him credit where credit's due. <laughs> the very first scene of the movie, I just have to acknowledge, it would be an, an atrocity not to acknowledge the presence of one of the greatest actors of all time in this Mrs. Trunchbull. Aunt oh, yeah. Marge, played by none other than <laughs> Pam Ferris, Agatha Trunchbull from Matilda, only the, the greatest and scariest superhero <laughs> villain ever. <laughs> like, yeah, she's fantastic. Oh my gosh, I can't believe she never got an Oscar for Matilda. She is amazing. And she is in one of the worst scenes in this movie where she just blows up like a balloon and floats yeah. away. <laughs> but before doing that, she does deliver a great performance. I enjoy yeah, her she quite does. a bit. As She's so nice to Dudley and so mean to Harry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when Harry inflates Aunt Marge, what spell did he use to accomplish this? <laughs> I mean, it's just supposed to be like when he disappeared the glass on the on the python cage. Dude, magical kids are dangerous. No, like they straight up play it in in what is it? This the sixth one where we see that or fifth when we see Dumbledore go to see young Voldemort, young Tom Riddle. You know, they play him up like you know Damien from The Omen. Like he's an evil kid who just lights the the thing. Oh wait, no, actually Dumbledore lights it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> But they do say that other people in the orphanage are, like, scared of him, that he's, right, like, a strange yeah. kid and weird things happen. <laughs> Why are the Dementors at Privet Drive? Are they looking for Sirius there because Harry's there? I mean, I guess that kind I mean, of makes Sirius sense. Sirius is there. I wouldn't expect him to be there. They've been going after him since he was swimming in the North Sea. They followed him all this way. Okay, dude. So he not only made the trek <laughs> across the ocean to Privet Drive with no food, no water, and no soul, but also with Dementors hot on his trail the entire he has time. A soul. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they've been they've been sucking his soul for like a decade now. Like, he's, right? But he's, he's still in has bad one. condition. If we see it float out of his mouth, <laughs> oh, it's it looks true. Fine. He's got that little soul bean. <laughs> Sirius was crazy. Like, they've admitted that. He's like an insane person. His only goal is to kill Peter Pettigrew. And yet he somehow managed to not only be like, actually, I do want to check on my dead friend's son, but like to find out where he was and mm -hmm. then yeah, go track, track him, him down, down while right. running well from Dementors. Run, it yeah. just seems crazy. I know. <laughs> yeah, he should have gone to the burrow. <laughs> he may not have known that that's exactly where Peter Pettigrew was. He'd only seen the picture of them in Egypt. That's how he knew he was related to the Weasleys. And I don't think they included their home address in that news article that he Yeah, read. but Sirius was a part of the Order of the Phoenix, and the Order of the Phoenix was like 90% Weasley. It's true. He <laughs> yeah, he known should have known them. You know what? I, I retract my statement. He should have just gone straight to the borough. What's wrong <laughs> yeah. with him? So this is the part where Harry falls down and accidentally summons the night bus. Also the part of the movie where the movie just like wanders into like a Tim Burton movie. And yeah. I, I think that what's happening here is Alfonso Cuaron, who normally does grounded dramas, had never done a fantasy film before. And he was like, well, it's crazy, right? It's like Tim Burton-y. And so he was like, let's have a stretchy, squishy cartoon bus with like a Jamaican shrunken talking head. The, I don't know why he introduced Jamaican shrunken heads. And I I was going to ask you about them. Are they in theory? 
Like, are they zombies? No, they're just racist. <laughs> well, yes, they are that too. But like, did some wizard kill a person to make this shrunken head just for the sole purpose of having a hood ornament? Because that's disgusting. I don't know. <laughs> I just want to say that I think that if anyone had seen this Harry Potter movie first, the third one, I think it's just too much. Like one zany event after another. First, he blows up his aunt. Then he gets on the crazy, wacky bus ride. And then he meets a weird hunchback who tries to wow. offer him food. Yeah. While the minister is just like, cool, do wear magic wherever you want. <laughs> it's fine. And then he gets attacked by a weird Dude, monster you're, book. You're getting way, way ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, like there's one scenes. sequence after another. There's no grounding here. Like it's luckily we already knew these characters and liked them. When Harry gets to the leaky cauldron, why is the leaky cauldron now like some sort of weird opium den from the 1800s? <laughs> I London? know it really changed since last time, right? It used to be a cozy place with a nice fire where Hagrid could tell Harry stories about Voldemort. Did child Harry just imagine it a lot nicer than it was? <laughs> Maybe it's just gone downhill. <laughs> People found out that Voldemort was there as Quirrell and stopped coming, and then it turned into an opium den. So, Leif, you already introduced this scene, the Leaky Cauldron. I just have a bunch of clarifying questions for you. Who is this hunchback? Why was he waiting for Harry? How did Hedwig get here? Why is the Minister of Magic here? Why did he cover up for Harry? And why is he so happy about it? <laughs> like, what in the heck is going on here? And why did he buy Harry's school books for him? <laughs> that doesn't make <laughs> so any sense. There are answers to some of yeah. those questions. In the book, there are answers. In the yes. movie, there aren't. <laughs> no, yeah, in the that's movie, true. it's just like, huh, guess this is how the world works for Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> The Hedwig, they answer that she got there because she's a very smart bird. Oh, yep. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I accept it. That. That's a good that. answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the Cornelius Fudge thing. He's there to win over Harry's favor so that Harry will support him and he'll get more political clout from it. That's why he's doing all of this. He's buddying up to Harry. But yes. Harry can't do favors for him. <laughs> like Harry has no intrinsic power. <laughs> he's going to graduate and get a job someday. <laughs> it would make a little more sense if Rita Skeeter was there doing like a story on it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. If there was someone well, to publicize Well, she probably this. was. She was just hiding as a bug. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. You're right. <laughs> she was. <laughs> I can accept that, too. It all makes sense now. <laughs> but I think we can all agree that the Monster Book of Monsters is a really stupid book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it tries to kill you and then rips itself apart. <laughs> it tries to kill itself. <laughs> no, it's not a stupid book. It's an evil book chosen by an evil wizard. <laughs> yes, it is. It looks just like the Necronomicon <laughs> from <does>. Evil Dead. <laughs> it does. At the Leaky Cauldron. What are Ron and Hermione doing there? <laughs> well, the entire Weasley family is there. I have no idea why Hermione is there. Just, yeah. She's just there to argue with and insult Ron because she hates in that guy. In the movies, <laughs> like, it appears that at the beginning of every school year, before they get Harry, Hermione will go and just live yep. with the Weasleys yeah, she just for goes a to while. live at the Weasleys house. <laughs> why? Why not Harry I don't first? know, but yeah. After I know. The second Ron year, are she's... far better friends than Hermione. Well, and, and Harry's Ron. in a far worse situation. Get him yeah. out of the Dursleys' house and first, right? I think right? Dumbledore specifically says he doesn't need to be at the Dursley's house for more than like a couple weeks. He just has to go back enough that it technically it's is his home torture. <laughs> in order to keep that love spell in place. Just enough to make you uncomfortable, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ron and Hermione are arguing. She's calling his rat a smelly old shoe brush right. and telling Crookshanks he's a mean little boy. But then when she sees Harry, angry, disgusted Hermione just absolutely beams and she's so happy to see Harry. Yeah, no, that's true. And there is also a Popular theory that if Ron had just let Hermione have her cat eat scabbers, then Voldemort <laughs> would not have been reborn and everything would have been okay. And it also would have saved Ron's brother who dies. <laughs> it would have saved and a Dumbledore. lot of people who died. And Lupin <laughs> and Davi, all of them. It's all Ron's fault. It is. So you're saying that Ron brought about the resurrection of the Dark Lord Voldemort. Is that yes. is that true? Wow. The only reason it happened is because of Peter Pettigrew. Like he is the most yeah. important person. You're right. In and Voldemort's Ron cared plan. for Peter and Pettigrew Ron for a, a protected decade. him for years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, actually, before he was Ron's pet, he was passed down through the family. Right. So, the yeah. whole Weasley family protected him. 
Especially if your theory is true that Ron knew Peter Pettigrew was some evil person and was learning Imperius spells from him. Right. Well, I mean, the Weasleys seem to attract this sort of thing, right? The same thing happened to Ginny with that diary. Wow, you're right. It's <laughs> true. Well, I mean, wow. they are a pure blood magical family. I mean, it, it isn't crazy to think that they would attract and be around a lot of magics and things that are unusual. Anyway... I wanted to say one thing about the Weasleys in The Leaky Cauldron, and that's that of all the adults in this series uh, and in this movie, only Arthur, like, bothers to warn Harry in he's any the, detail he's about He's the Sirius only Black. person who actually tries to help Harry. I, I will give you that. Mr. Weasley, he basically comes over to Harry. He's like, I shouldn't be telling you this. I'm going to tell you this. Sirius has escaped. And in, in, in his mind, you're the, the only thing in Voldemort's way of returning to power. He's going to find and kill you. So don't go looking for him. And then Harry turns to him just bewildered and says, but Mr. Weasley, why would I go looking for somebody who wants to kill <laughs> wants me? To kill me. <laughs> Which is a really good question. And then the scene ends. I can't imagine what we- Mr. Weasley said to explain this. Oh, <laughs> oh you, you know, know, just, uh, you know, you, Harry, <laughs> you just, you just do these things, Harry. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, I will say that was his one mistake. I honestly think that Arthur should have explained a little bit more. He might as well have told Harry that Sirius killed his parents. Like, I don't understand why everyone hid this from Harry. No, you know Harry's reaction as soon as he finds yeah. out. He goes, I'm, I'm going to kill him. him. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow they predicted that. The yeah, thing that's none what of I'm us saying. I think predicted. it would have been better if they had told him in like a controlled circumstance where they could no. talk him down rather than <laughs> where he's just with Hermione and Ron. Well, I do love how it's consistent that Scabbers, a.k.a. Peter Pettigrew, really just wants to get away. <laughs> um, like, Crookshanks had to catch him. He he tried to get away in Egypt. Mr. Weasley has to run alongside the train to give him back to Ron. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's not. It's Molly. As they're leaving, yeah, Molly, Molly Weasley comes running up to Ron and hands him Scabbers very insistently and begs, don't, don't lose, lose him. him. <laughs> for whatever reason, Molly seems to be showing more care and concern for this rat than she shows for most of her children. Yeah. <laughs> Except <is>. Harry. <laughs> sure. Like, maybe more people other than Ron know who this rat is. Maybe the Weasleys are a dark family. As we've maybe that's why Sirius suggested. didn't go to the Weasleys. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's scared of the Weasleys. <laughs> I don't buy that. <laughs> so they end up on the train. Hermione is like freaking Sherlock Holmes. Like, she is incredibly quick to, like, see this man sleeping there, identify his name on the suitcase, and explain it to everyone as if, like, of course, this is Professor R.J. Lupin. Come on, guys. <laughs> when I read the books, I always kind of liked Lupin. He, he's, a, he's a fun, nice character. In the movies, I always have this, like, instant dislike of Lupin. Uh, and it's just... because he's got this disgusting greasy hair mustache. this weird stalker mustache yep. he's sleeping under a coat like like a weird creepy guy he's got a bottle of vodka next to him i mean it's not vodka that's his that's his anti anti werewolf potion right but it looks like vodka like everything about him looks like a guy you should not trust <laughs> There is something that happens in the uh, Harry Potter mobile game that honestly made him irredeemable to me, Uh-oh. <laughs> which <laughs> oh, no. uh, I can explain. So some spoiler alerts for the game. There is a character named Chiara Labosca. She is a werewolf. You find out that Chiara has met Lupin. Now, she is like a third or fourth year student at this time, and he's an adult man. I don't know how they met. He's just hanging out near Hogwarts, and he tells Chiara, he tells the student that the ingredients needed to make this Wolfsbane potion are so expensive right now, there's like a really bad shortage. People can't get it. And so Chiara tells him she has extra of this Wolfsbane potion, and she will give it to him. And she does, and he takes it, asking no questions, when in fact she gave him her own potion. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, And so uh, after like you have to take it for several days. So it's like four or five days. And then on the fifth day when she goes to give him the potion, you as the main character find out and you tell Chiara and like, oh, what have you done? And Lupin is like, Chiara, you shouldn't have done that. And she's like, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. But at this point, I've already not taken four of the doses. So you might as well take the fifth dose. So she gives it to him. And then he just like leaves and you get to deal with the fact that she's a werewolf. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was going to say, this sounds like more her mistake than his, but he probably shouldn't have just, you know, <laughs> left. Yeah, like he should not have. But also, like, even up to that point, like, he is an adult man who's just hanging out with a young girl who, in fact, is the exact same age as the girl he ends up marrying um, <laughs> while she's in school. And he just took her <laughs> word for it. <laughs> he just took her word for it that, like, oh, yeah, I have extra wolfsbane potion, even though he knew there was a severe shortage. And this potion was probably being provided to Chiara by Snape. And if I was Snape, yeah. I'd be pissed. <laughs> I didn't know this was going to be a throwing Lupin under the bus episode. <laughs> I had no idea. I actually do like Lupin, but yeah, I was I, really mad I used to. <laughs> so they're, they're on the train. Dementors break in. Just decide to murder kids. They're like, hey, <laughs> you know, five o'clock, kid murdering time. <laughs> Hermione says, after the lights go, ouch, Ron, that was my foot. When she is sitting far away from him on the bench, like there's at least enough room for another person to sit between them. And Ron is leaning away from her, looking out the window. <laughs> I don't see how he could have done anything to her well, foot. She just assumes if anyone ever hurts her, it was probably right. Ron. It's like, who's <laughs> the biggest jerk in here? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Dementor appearing outside the door is a really cool scene. I love how, you know, the train stops, the lights flicker, it gets cold and dark, everything starts freezing over, you see its silhouette in the window. It's a really cool scene. But I, uh, I mostly just love making fun of stupid Harry for fainting yeah, at the sight of one little Dementor. <laughs> one little Dementor faints, he screams. Maybe he that's is. just because I'm a terrible, a terrible Slytherin. Slytherin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So they get to the school and for some reason there's the toad choir is singing and also uh, Professor Flitwick, <laughs> Flitwick is a different person. Yeah, Flitwick. Yeah, he's gotten some big changes. Well, he gets and keeps apparently Alfonso Cuaron's favorite style, which is greasy hair and mustache. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. everyone gets a greasy hair and mustache. Everyone. <laughs> The other important thing about this scene is that Dumbledore is also a different person now. He's Gambon! Yeah! And <laughs> he's you know, played by Peter Gambon. Uh, Richard Harris. Everyone's favorite Dumbledore. I, he was such a good Dumbledore. Now, the new Dumbledore, instead of being just like a I, gentle, wisened old man, is just like a befuddled. I love Gambon senile. as Dumbledore. I love He's like, what? What is going on? He's so agitated <laughs> all the time. <laughs> This may just be a myth or a rumor, but I've heard that uh, Gambon specifically chose not to read any of the books because he was like, I don't want them to taint my portrayal of Probably because he's like, just I'm a lazy, old, grumpy old man. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. just going to play him the way I feel is right. Yeah, I think it's the same thing. But that is some of the explanation for why he's just so different. After the Frog Choir and stuff, he does his announcements, including one important announcement that Rubius Hagrid is now the teacher of Care of Magical yeah. Creatures following the retirement of Professor Kettleburn and also the fact that he's been exonerated for uh, being the heir of Slytherin. So I guess now he can have a job, even though he didn't like graduate school, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> right. Well, OK, so I want to dig into this a bit. It is insane like Hagrid is just rising in the ranks. He's just skyrocketing. He is a dropout <laughs> half giant with a broken wand who is the groundskeeper. And now he's the professor of care of magical creatures with no skills or credentials, all thanks to just like cozying up to Dumbledore a lot. He, he certainly knows how to be friends with the best people. Right. Yes. Whether it was in the book or the movie, I always hated the hippogriff arc in this. It's just like such a generic, like, boo-hoo, oh, this beautiful creature's going to get killed because that annoying little boy from Dumbo was bothering it. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's the thing from Dumbo where Dumbo's mom gets, you know, punished because of some dumb little kid. Like, right. I don't know. It, it, it's just like a generic plot. And I don't care about Buckbeak. Oh, you're so cool. <laughs> I'm a Slytherin. <laughs> Hagrid tells these children to go over to Buckbeak, despite Buckbeak being extremely dangerous. And he never tells them how to deal with Buckbeak if Buckbeak yeah. rejects them. He stroke his right? spine. He's like, <laughs> wow. No, but he's like, yeah, now make sure you bow to him because he might reject you. He doesn't say what to do in that case. He's just like, all right, get it's close. It's just like to when they taught him creature. how to duel and they were like, we should teach him how to block spells. <laughs> no, yeah. but let's not. <laughs> when he thinks that Buckbeak has rejected Harry, he's like, oh, back off, back off. Like, it's really dangerous. Yes. And then he's like, oh, wait, he accepted you. Cool. And just shoves Harry on his back. Uh, and before he's like, ready, is like, here you go. And they go on a long flight. And in the movie, at least, Harry seems to enjoy it and is kind of like, oh, this is great. In the books, not I'm the pretty book. sure they, they specifically say, <laughs> Like he hates it. He prefers well, he'd flying on a broom. Rather be on a broom. Yeah. 
What you're saying is they should have beheaded Hagrid. Yes. yes. <laughs> Malfoy's dicking around. He's being kind of, you know, reckless and stupid. But he's a kid. Like, he's just, uh, what, a 13-year-old kid? You can't expect them to be on their best behavior at all times. And how is he being reckless? By doing what the teacher told him to. <laughs> like, yeah. all he does is approach the bird. That's it. Like, yeah, but he on. didn't do it respectfully, Torvald. So? He's a 13-year-old. How many 13-year-olds know how to be respectful on command? Hagrid's response to Malfoy getting injured is he's just like, oh, you're okay, you're okay, or whatever. And then Hermione yep, has like, to jump in. don't get me fired, don't get me fired. And she's like, Hagrid, he's got to be taken to the hospital wing. <laughs> right, uh, right. It seems like a very weird thing that Hermione's the one to take control of this situation. Well, Hagrid is used to covering stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yes. Like, just replace the hippogriff, which is a mystical being that we don't understand, with a lion. That we do understand, right? And he's just like, hey, kids, look at this lion. Get close to it. Come on, get close to the lion. And then one kid manages it. So the other kids are like, oh, cool. It must be safe. You know, and then the lion bites the kid. All, you know, breaks his arm. Even, it's, it's even totally replace not it with a okay. hawk. Or like replace it with a chemistry lesson that kids might actually have. Like, right, where you have a lesson where the chemicals are kind of dangerous and he wasn't taking care of it properly and one of the kids gets hurt and he's just like no no you're fine <laughs> oh, you're okay don't wash out your eyes to get the acid yeah. out you're okay <laughs> Hagrid he has to be taken to the eye shower <laughs> <laughs> this scene I believe is where we start seeing and in many of the classes how this movie screws up the time travel because Hermione isn't there and then suddenly she'll show up and be there and they're like what How'd you get Where'd here, you Hermione? And she's like, I was always here. When like an important plot point of this movie is that the time travel works that she was always there. That's an important plot point because Harry sees himself across the lake. He was always there. That's how time travel works. It doesn't change things. Yeah, And also the fact that the way time travel works is not that she just shows up out of nowhere. Like she would have time traveled back and walked to class with them. So I always saw it as she time traveled back, but not quite far enough and had to sneak into class a little late. She did do that because she had too many classes. So she was really busy, but it wasn't like she was just appearing out of thin air. All right. So. Trelawney's class. It's just another instance where Hermione teleported. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she definitely wasn't there, and then she is there. <laughs> She's just suddenly there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do have one thing to say about Trelawney, which is that in the book and movie, uh, Dumbledore acts like she's kind of useless, and he only keeps her around because she occasionally has, like, she goes into a weird trance and speaks yeah. in a weird voice and yeah. has real prophecies. But I want to point out that in the book and movie, every stupid little frivolous prophecy she says also happens. All of them come true, so, yes. She's incredibly she's very good. good. <laughs> that is a, a known fan theory about Trelawney that all of her prophecies do come true. The reason I've heard that uh, Dumbledore thinks she's useless is because she's descended from the Oracle Cassandra who was at uh, Troy during the fall of the Trojan War, and she was cursed that no one would believe her prophecies. Did they say in the books that she's descended from Cassandra? J.K. Rowling confirmed that she's the great-great-granddaughter of Cassandra Trelawney, who was a seer. I don't know if that's the one at Troy. Brita's an oracle for J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> so the next note that I have is a, an evil Dumbledore theory point. After they find out that Sirius Black is in the castle because he attacks the fat lady, the very first thing that Dumbledore does after learning that Sirius Black is in the castle is to lock them all in the castle. Yeah. The, <laughs> exactly. the very next shot is the Great Hall closing and like a thousand locks locking into place. There's an evil wizard in the castle. Lock them all in. But what do you think is his plan here? <laughs> no plan. I don't well, no, as far as I can tell, the only people in that hall are actually all the Gryffindors. And they're sleeping there because the professors are searching the Gryffindor common room and stuff and making sure it's safe before sending them back. Okay, well, right. that's a good explanation, Brita. So it's not just a castle-wide sleepover as far as I can I tell. I always thought it was a castle-wide sleepover. Maybe <laughs> That'd be I pretty cool. Maybe pay close enough attention. <laughs> We now know that there is a deranged magical murderer loose in this school full of children. Dumbledore turns to Filch, the elderly squib, and says, Secure the castle, Filch. 
like, Poor Filch. What's he supposed to do? Like, what is he supposed, supposed to do? To lock the doors with yeah, real locks. Real locks. Alohomora. Alohomora. I just love it. Every time something bad happens, Dumbledore's response: Secure the castle, Filch. You magicless old man. Like every time, it never fails. Each movie, they do it. It it just makes me so happy. And dude, Filch that freaking badass he never even wavers he's just like all right i'm gonna do it i'm gonna protect these kids <laughs> like filch what are you gonna do and also torture them sometimes <laughs> he's a stern but but fair person kind of. snape teaches the defense against the dark arts class while yeah. Lupin is sick he assumes that having a werewolf teacher is potentially dangerous and he is of course absolutely correct in that assumption but he doesn't want to go against the wishes of Dumbledore. He's as much a slave to Dumbledore as everyone else here. Perhaps more so. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> much more so. So all he can do is prepare the students for possible dangers that might await them because of their teacher. And when he has the chance to teach them about werewolves, he does, which I think is a good choice. Not just the students, his son. Like, he thinks Harry's in danger. He thinks that Sirius and Wolf Lupin are going to come for him. And he's kind of right. And his entrance into this class is amazing. So he just walks in. He closes all the windows. He pulls down the screen, turns around and says, turn to page 394. Yep. <laughs> he asks them to write two rolls of parchment about werewolves. With extra emphasis on recognizing werewolves. Yes. Like, he's specifically <laughs> trying to get Harry to realize who his enemies at that castle are. And before he gives that assignment, first of all, he does tell Draco off for howling stupidly in the middle of his yeah. class. <laughs> <laughs> he calls Hermione an insufferable know-it-all because she did interrupt him. Yes. Now, he did ask if anyone knows the difference between an animagus and a werewolf, but it was clearly a rhetorical question because he didn't stop yes. to call on people whose hands were raised. Although he does say, like, no one, what a pity, or something. So, like, he yeah. was specifically He was just trying to be mind. funny. He was like, no one knows? All right, do this assignment. <laughs> <laughs> well, and right after he calls her an insufferable know-it-all, Ron's like, hey, yeah, yeah, he's, he's got a point, you know? <laughs> like, Ron's like, that I can agree with. <laughs> Ron, you're such a jerk to your friends. <laughs> She's not his friend. What I love about when he gives the assignment, he says, as an antidote to your ignorance, hand on my desk by Monday, two rolls of parchment. And I love that he uses the word antidote because he's the potions teacher. It's wow. in character. That was very good. <laughs> then when Harry suggests to Snape that he shouldn't have to do homework because he's on the Quidditch team and there's a game tomorrow, <laughs> Snape, rather than point out how self-centered Harry is being, just proceeds to warn Harry to take care because he doesn't want him to lose any limbs. <laughs> Yeah. He's not going to lose any limbs playing Quidditch. You could. He did last time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> kind of, but that was really mostly Snape was paying attention. Fault. It's a callback. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good job, Snape. Page 394. No, it's a very good scene. And I think, yeah, he's just trying to help out the students. Like, they are in a dangerous situation that they honestly should have been made aware of, and they weren't. <laughs> and so he's trying to help them figure it out. A lot of people in the Harry Potter fandom don't see this scene the same way, but I do. <laughs> Speaking of kids being in a dangerous situation, we cut to a Quidditch match. From an awesome sketch that Draco took the time to draw. Very <laughs> yes. getting struck by <laughs> was a really good little sketch. <laughs> Go it's <Draco>. pretty cool. <laughs> in this Quidditch match, two kids get struck by lightning and one gets swarmed yes. by Dementors and plummets <laughs> to his death, basically. All of them plummet from very high heights. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is the most brutal game ever. Why are these kids playing this? This is why the wizarding community has stayed so small over the years, because they don't give a crap about their kids. So many of their <laughs> kids must die while growing up playing Quidditch and all the other dangerous magical things. Splinching themselves while trying to get rid of their bathroom leaving. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> yeah. While Harry's in the hospital, all his friends are crowded around him and looking at him while he wakes up. One of his friends is like sitting snuggled up against him right in his face and never breaks eye contact with him. Oh, I wonder which one. The same friend <laughs> whose hand he lovingly caressed many times in the last movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, I just want to talk about the scene briefly where Lupin and Harry are talking about Dementors and Harry asks Lupin to teach him how to make a Patronus. And Lupin says like, oh, well, it's a really difficult charm. It's not usually taught to people your age, but we can try. 
it doesn't make any sense that Lupin isn't teaching this to all the students. Like he absolutely yeah. should yeah. be. There are dementors really on the should. school ground. They everywhere. can't be controlled. They're attacking students. And we know that Harry teaches it to all students from all mm-hmm. years when he's he a does. fifth year student in Dumbledore's army. And like some yeah. of them don't manage it, but they all try. And like several of them can at least make a shield. His description of the Patronus charm is not really how it works usually no i also noticed that he says that it shields the user while the dementors feed on the patronus yeah no it chases (laughs) away dementors as like a animal i mean unless he was specifically talking about the shield version that harry learns to make first that could be we do see them like fly down and hit it and kind of fly away so that could be them thinking they're feeding on it but they still seem repelled by it not like oh yummy yummy patronus um, nom, nom, you know it's not like the dementors once they feed they're like oh we're full we'll just leave like otherwise there'd be no way <laughs> no, to get rid of dementors so they're about to go into hogsmeade and the twins take harry potter aside to give him the marauders map this is the most useful thing Anybody ever gives Harry Potter yeah. <laughs> is more useful than anything else, even the invisibility cloak. Yeah. The twins really care about Harry Potter. And they basically looked at him. And they're like, none of the other adults are doing anything to protect him from dementors and murderers. So let's give him the one thing we have that can protect him. Anyway, they're way better friends than Ron. That's all I can say. Ron doesn't do anything for Harry ever. People like to say that Ron stayed home with Harry his first Christmas so he wouldn't be alone. It's not true. His family went to visit, I think, Charlie that year and didn't take him. <laughs> yeah, they didn't want him. <laughs> like, you just say it's cool, Ron. I'm only surprised that they didn't take Harry. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even know Harry yet. <laughs> Their only interaction had been, oh, you don't know how to get onto the platform. <laughs> I'm still surprised they didn't take him. Well, it's like, who else could I bring who's not Ron? <laughs> that little boy who I met at King's Cross. <laughs> the Marauder's map is crazy. Like, I don't know why it exists or how it exists. I have no idea how they made it. How does it track and identify every person in the castle? And could it do this outside of the castle? I don't think it can. Could anything be made to do this outside the castle? Because the technology exists. I would bet anything that the person who invented this map was Wormtail because he was the nerd of the group, right? Mm, the rest of them right. were all these like big bullies. Lupin was also a nerd. How did these idiots put this together? It really must have been mostly Wormtail and to some extent Lupin. And that's why no one else has the technology or even knows about it because like Wormtail's been a dead rat. <laughs> I mean, it's a preposterously powerful artifact. Like it, it doesn't is. make any sense that it was made by children. <laughs> All I can think of is, is there an individual spell to track a single person? Because if so, then he must have cast that spell on every person in the castle. But that doesn't make sense because it tracks people who enter the castle who have never (laughs) been there before. Yeah. So it must be a spell on the castle. So they enchanted Hogwarts, like (laughs) the most magical place on Earth, apparently. Like this, this is just insane. How did they enchant the castle and get away with it? A lot of people get away with a lot of things at Hogwarts. (laughs) They also got away with apparently turning themselves into animaguses, which includes holding a leaf under your tongue for a month. (laughs) (laughs) On thewizardingworld.com, they describe the creation of the Marauder's map to some extent. They say, the magic used in the map's creation is advanced and impressive. (laughs) They got that right. Yep. It included the homunculus charm, enabling the possessor of the map to track the movements of every person in the castle. Then they say it was also enchanted to forever repel, as insultingly as possible, the curiosity of their nemesis, Severus Snape. Specifically Snape. I always thought that that was maybe (laughs) just a spell for any teacher. No, it's for Snape. And it's (laughs) been like that since he was a student. (laughs) (laughs) They need to make a TV show that's like Phineas and Ferb, but Candace is Snape and he's always trying to bust them. (laughs) Well, yes. (laughs) If J.K. Rowling ever wanted to cash in on the Harry Potter franchise again, then she should just write a prequel series about James, Lily, Snape, Sirius, Lupin, and Peter and their adventures at Hogwarts. People have absolutely been begging for that. Fans would eat it up, (laughs) dude. I'd read it and I don't even like those characters. Yeah. (laughs) I think he's a little too old now, but I would have loved a young Snape played by Adam Driver. That would have been so cool. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely an adult now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so did you guys know that when Harry puts on the invisibility cloak, he becomes like a superhuman? (laughs) 
<laughs> like, <laughs> I know he's he's a wizard, right? But when he has that cloak on, he can fight three people at once <laughs> across the field from each other and just <laughs> fling people around, carry them around. <laughs> like, Without leaving footprints in the yep. snow-covered ground. <laughs> no, he's literally just supermanning around that field, <laughs> like picking people up and whipping them around. I think the Shrieking Shack actually is haunted. It was a real ghost. <laughs> Harry just happened to be behind them after that fight. <laughs> he didn't even yeah, I just thought it was Harry, funny. Harry, we know it's you. And he's just like, we'll just go with that. <laughs> he probably thought it was Hermione doing it. He's like, oh, she's such a powerful witch. <laughs> Ron also says that the Shrieking Shack is supposedly the most haunted house in London. Which has to be not true, considering it's not haunted it's not at all. Haunted. And they're Hogwarts, <laughs> Hogwarts, Hogwarts is more haunted. Is way more haunted. <laughs> yeah, they hang out with ghosts all the time. Why would they even be scared of the Shrieking Shack? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And the reason that the Shrieking Shack was supposedly haunted and named the Shrieking Shack was because of like Lupin's howling, right? People thought that was shrieking. I guess it's obviously a wolf, right? But also, like, you can go and see, like, well, is there a ghost in there that's shrieking? And there's not. Because it was just looping one night a month. <laughs> As they're sitting there discussing the shrieking shack, Hermione says, um, do you, you want, want to move a bit closer? closer? And he says, huh? <laughs> she says, to the shrieking shack. And then he's like, oh, uh, no, I'm fine right here. I don't want to go anywhere with you. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that, that all checks out. Just after that scene with the shrieking shack, Hermione says, oh, look who it is. Madame Rosemata. Ron fancies her. Yes. Oh. Ron fancies Madame Rosemerta. I wonder why. She is a loud, angry woman who yells at people who wears frumpy dresses and has sort of thick, curly hair. She's Ron's mother. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought you were going to say she's, she's Hermione. Weasley. One might argue that Hermione herself is somewhat like this. She is also a person who's always ordering Ron around, acting like his mother, and has curly hair. He seems to have sort of a screwed up relationship with his mother. Who else does? Oh, I don't know. Norman Bates, the original wow. psycho. <laughs> Dude. And as we all know, the original <laughs> psycho is steeped in actual science and psychology. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, I just wanted to say in this scene, Rosmerta, Fudge, and McGonagall go up to a room upstairs and just like chat about Sirius Black. But it's like, since when are Rosmerta, Fudge, and McGonagall such good friends? Harry Potter has an extremely emotional reaction to learning this new information about Sirius having murdered his parents. And he immediately jumps to murder. <laughs> I find him. I'm gonna kill him. He's channeling himself from the fifth book. Not movie, but <laughs> he really yeah, is. <laughs> so Harry is just staying up late doing some light reading of the Marauders map for no <laughs> reason. Yeah, it's, it's a cool map. This is right after the scene where he's. I'm gonna kill him. What are you talking about? for him. He is actually looking for yeah. serious. But You're right. It's just like just reading my map late at night. <laughs> He walks through the hallways with paintings that would be so annoying being like, hey, put the light out, you're walking around. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why students aren't supposed to be in the hallways at night. Snape finds Harry wandering the corridors at night looking for Peter Pettigrew. Then Snape shows how self-denigrating he is by saying, how extraordinary <laughs> like your father you are. He too was exceedingly arrogant, strutting about the castle. Yeah, <laughs> so, maybe. Snape is describing mm -hmm. himself here. Which two characters are strutting about the castle right now for no reason? Harry Potter and Snape. <laughs> I mean, I think he's describing who Harry thinks is his father. Exactly. <laughs> like, we know he hates James and uh, that Harry does believe that's his father. I also wanted to point out with that that uh, Harry's response, my dad didn't strut. Counterpoint to that, Harry. Snape does have a very weird way of walking with his arms folded that one might describe as strutting. <laughs> mm -hmm. So my next notes are about the Buckbeak beheading. Hermione overhears Draco talking about Buckbeak and puts her wand to his throat. Hermione punches him and says that felt good. And now I'm going to say something that I have no evidence for. But perhaps she was imagining Ron when she wow, punched him. Wow, is it? You got it. <laughs> Maybe. That would feel good. <laughs> it is worth noting that Emma Watson had a crush on Tom Felton. So she probably didn't want to punch him, but would love to, to punch Ron. You guys are making some really good points here. 
Anyway, <laughs> the kids go to visit Hagrid in his hut. Peter Pettigrew, the rat scabbers, has been missing for a large part of the movie. And Ron was blaming Hermione for this, saying Crookshanks ate him. Hagrid pulls out the rat and says that he found him. Uh, Hermione's <laughs> like, I think that means you owe someone an apology. And Ron says, right. Next time I see Crookshanks, I'll let him know. And she says, I meant me. Just say sorry, dude. You were wrong and you've been chewing her out all year for this. Just say sorry. It's true for a whole year. But my point was just that Hagrid is the one who had Peter Pettigrew. If they both were Death Eaters, perhaps he even knew that he was sheltering Pettigrew from oh, Sirius. He was sitting there <laughs> plotting with Peter Pettigrew. Yeah, He's of like, course. yes, our master's almost back. Next year, <laughs> when Barty Crouch shows up, we're going to turn the cup into a portkey. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect plan. Pettigrew's like, isn't this plan a little bit convoluted? No. <laughs> Dumbledore wants to see it when the hippogriff gets killed. Hagrid says in response to this, Great man, Dumbledore. <laughs> when Hermione offers to stay with him, doing the exact same thing that Hagrid just said makes Dumbledore a great man, Hagrid says, You do no such thing. Like I want you seeing something like that. <laughs> I mean, she is a child. <laughs> but it proves that there's some sort of kinship between Dumbledore and Hagrid. They are two people who like to see death. <laughs> Whatever Dumbledore says... Hagrid needs to compliment. He needs. To, he's a yes man, right? Like he's just yeah. trying to cozy up to Dumbledore. Dumbledore could say like, "Let's go, like shove some toothpicks up our nose," and Hagrid would be like, "Good man, <laughs> that's a good idea." Like, <laughs> now, Hagrid also says, "If someone sees you outside the castle at this time of night, you'll be in trouble, big trouble, especially you, Harry." Um, why? First of all, it is not nighttime. It's not it is night. broad no, daylight not. outside. <laughs> the only consistent rule at Hogwarts seems to be you get in trouble when you go to see Hagrid. Hagrid. Mm -hmm. Why? Is it because yeah. everyone knows how evil he He's is? He's a bad guy. <laughs> we could assume that there is a specific time of night when students are not allowed to be on the grounds, and that's the time it was, even though it wasn't dark yet. <laughs> Either way, how could they have not seen that this executioner executes a pumpkin and not a hippogriff. They're right there. <laughs> like, they are just like a few feet away from it. There's no way they could have missed that. Hermione shouldn't be seeing something like that. So they just didn't look very close. Well, but then Hermione does hug Ron. And Harry, feeling very oh, left sorry. out, tries to get in on the action. He's like, yeah. hey, give, give me some of that. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't necessarily have solid proof. But this could have been the year when Ron put the Imperious Curse on Hermione because Ron, who perhaps feels slightly guilty about it, does keep commenting throughout the year in several scenes how out of character Hermione is acting. Could be because she's under the Imperious Curse because this is also when she starts randomly hugging Ron and grabbing his hand and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know. And saying, and would we... you like to get closer? Yeah, right. And of course, the obvious counter argument to this is, but Ron is 13 years old. Does he know the Imperius Curse? To that, I say, the creator of the Marauder's Map is his rat. <laughs> you know, the, the Wormtail, the guy who could do crazy magic when he was young, is the rat of Ron. He could have schooled him on how to do the Imperius Curse. I know, and if you had any evidence that he was schooling Ron on this stuff, then that <laughs> would be, be so great. Well, yeah, I mean... Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> we'll get to it in the fourth movie, but Mad-Eye Moody does heavily imply that Ron has some connection to the Imperious Curse, and we'll get to that in the next one. Yeah. This rat, Scabbers, has been in his family for 12 years, so his family has been harboring an unknown criminal for 12 years. I think we're in agreement that Ron's a pretty bad guy. Who would you guys say is the worst Weasley besides Ron? Percy. Percy. Yeah. Percy is the guy who owned Scabbers before Ron. Yep. Ah, you're right. Is that any coincidence? <laughs> yeah, and as far as I know, it was just like straight from Percy to Ron, because in the game, you go to school with Bill and Charlie and the twins, and none of them had Scabbers. It was mm -hmm. just Percy. Well, Percy just didn't want it anymore. He's like, here, take my rat. <laughs> He's a little evil and weird, and he keeps whispering to me at night about the Imperious Curse and all these other <laughs> terrible things. Why don't you take it, Ron? <laughs> I guess. After this, they go untangle with the Whomping Willow. So Ron gets pulled into the secret passageway under the Whomping Willow. 
And Hermione is just insanely powerful and strong. <laughs> I don't even know what she's doing here. <laughs> well, first she gets grabbed by the Whomping Willow. So she's being swung around. She's fighting the Whomping Willow all alone. And then as she fights off the Whomping Willow, she grabs Harry by the shirt and picks him up. With one hand, she lifts Harry into the air and then slam and dunks him perfectly him. Into, the <laughs> into the hole. And then and she flies into the hole. We don't know how to on top of him. Yeah. She bested that tree. I don't think she bested. I think she was working with it. I think this was her her little maneuver for getting into the hole the whole time. Wow. <laughs> Possible. I think it'd be easier to just tap it at that spot that makes it stop fighting you. Well, okay. Here's the thing. That spot does not exist in the movie universe. Lupin comes up to the tree and just casts Immobilus, and that's yeah. how he stops the tree from moving, which <laughs> Hermione knows Immobilus. She uses it on the, the pixies in the second movie. Yeah. And then, once they're in the Shrieking Shack with a murderer, she gets in front of Harry and Ron and says, if you want to kill Harry, you'll have to kill us too. But notice how she says us. She's purposefully offering up Ron as a sacrifice wow. <laughs> without his approval. <laughs> Sirius is very good at painting himself as an evil psycho. <laughs> For the remainder of the scene, Sirius Black and Lupin are speaking in a way as yes. if they want to They're be intentionally to misunderstood. Like, right? <laughs> like they could very easily start explaining things and instead they say things like, No, no only one will die tonight. tonight. <laughs> and it will be you. Are you going to kill me? Harry. <laughs> and some of the explanation for that is that Sirius is kind of crazy, right? But right. I don't know what Lupin is but thinking. But Lupin <laughs> should be the voice of reason here, right? Like, he bursts in, disarms Harry, and then is like, looking rather ragged, aren't we, Sirius? Finally, the skin reflects the madness within. You, you would know, know all about, about the madness within. within. Then they start giggling They're and hugging. Each like, other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I found him, I found him, it's him. Let's kill him. <laughs> <laughs> this is like when we do reenactments of scenes for the podcast and just say things more evilly than they were actually <laughs> yeah. said with, but they actually yeah. say them evilly. Yeah. I know I criticize this movie a lot, but this is where the movie becomes just genius from yeah. this point on. <laughs> Hermione reveals that Lupin's a werewolf and he advances menacingly on her saying, well, 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 Hermione, you really are the brightest witch of <laughs> your, your age, age I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> like the way he says it, it sounds is like so he's not about to wring her neck. Yeah, right? like, <laughs> like he could have said it totally different. And he would if Sirius didn't beg him, let me kill him, please, please let me kill him. Yeah. <laughs> and then Lupin's just like, very well, kill him. <laughs> but wait one minute. Harry has the right to, to know, know why they were killing. Like, why would they? Why are they trying to convince Harry that they're evil? They couldn't have done a better job. It doesn't make sense unless they're talking about Harry. Harry doesn't care about Ron's rat. No. <laughs> While Sirius Black is insanely raving to an invisible Peter Pettigrew to come out and play, <laughs> yeah. Snape comes in and saves Yay. the day. He saves yeah, Harry from these two madmen. Yeah, no, it's a very badass move from Snape where he comes in and just completely takes control of the situation. <laughs> Vengeance is sweet. How I hoped I would be the one to catch you. <laughs> Before you get to the later movies, you think the vengeance is sweet part is because they were bullies to him. But no, the vengeance is because he killed Lily. <laughs> he he believes Sirius killed Lily right. Potter. That's the That's vengeance. True. Yeah. That is the vengeance. <laughs> Harry very subtly manages to steal Hermione's wand out of her pocket and use it to expelliarmus <laughs> Snape into oblivion. He just hits a wall, gets knocked out, and does not get yeah, up for gone. the remainder he's of gone, the scene. He's out. <laughs> And I got to say, when Harry casts Expelliarmus, and maybe this is just good continuity, it does what it did in the second movie. Mm -hmm. But when the adults cast it, it just pops the wand out of their hand. Yeah. <laughs> which is what it's supposed to do. <laughs> he learned the Snape variation, which just <laughs> obliterates your opponent. Which then he used against Snape, just oh, like Sectumsempra. Cool. Wow. <laughs> After the Shrieking Shack, Lupin is just the most irresponsible person on Earth. 
he knows he knows it's a full moon. Yeah. Like he knows. <laughs> and he's just like, well, I'm not going to take my potion. And Sirius is like, you know, caressing his chest, being like, Remus, my old it friend, is wild have to you me. taken your potion to <laughs> yeah, that? Sirius somehow <laughs> thinks that he's going to fix the situation by being like, this heart, this heart is where <laughs> you, know you lie, Remus. You, really you know that's not how it works, Sirius. You took <laughs> care of him for doing? years. Right. <laughs> It's a really good thing that Snape is such a badass and managed yes. to regain consciousness, come out there and protect them all with no wand. Second greatest <laughs> shot in the entire movie is when Snape turns around is like, yes. and shields the kids from the wolf. He's so cool. It's my favorite Snape moment in the series, right? That he comes out <laughs> to like tear these kids a new one for attacking him and letting a criminal get away. And then he sees there's a werewolf and immediately spins around and throws out his arms to cover all three of them and it's just like <laughs> I will die before I let these children get hurt <laughs> oh man this is like a repeat of the worst moment of his life besides Lily dying which is when Sirius Black tried to murder him by tricking him into coming to meet Lupin as he turned into a werewolf yeah what a horrible night for poor Snape so back in the hospital wing Dumbledore just like totally rocks Ron's injured foot. Yeah, Dumbledore does not. <laughs> he comes in and decides to start torturing. Yeah. Him. <laughs> he doesn't give a crap, dude. Audibly crying, like uh -huh. it's not like he's not. He's hiding it. He then tells these two children to break the anti-time law, which yes, has consequences right. too ghastly to discuss. It's insane that this artifact is so powerful and it does have consequences too ghastly to mention. And they're like, yeah, a 13-year-old girl can handle that. I mean, she is yeah. a pretty cool 13-year-old girl. <laughs> There's no reason he should make two 13-year-olds deal with all of these horrible things tonight. He should just do it himself. He could just borrow the time turner. He'd be the most well-equipped person to do this. Speaking of time turners, do you guys remember when Torvald and Brita bought <laughs> Brita a time turner? <laughs> Dude, that was great. And then Torvald and Brita bought Torvald Mjolnir, Mjolnir necklaces. necklaces. Yeah, it was Whoa. amazing. At the exact same time, we both bought these things for each other without telling each other yeah, as we bought them yourselves. for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we're so cool. <laughs> if only we had had a time turner ever? to take ourselves back to stop us from making yeah, those and buy more. <laughs> oh, Whoa. <laughs> Well, speaking of, shouldn't Hermione have aged like two years this year? Yes. Like, that seems so unfair. She might have. I mean, the actor is about two years younger than Rupert Grit and uh, Daniel Radcliffe, and maybe she's not anymore. Whoa. <laughs> That's how that works. <laughs> mm -hmm. So they go to save Buckbeak, and both Hagrid and Dumbledore at this point are trying very hard, conspiring together and with future Hermione and Harry to... Dumbledore's like, look at those mountains. Yeah. That's where all the plants <laughs> <Yeah>. are. <laughs> yep. Did you know there were plants on the mountain? Dumbledore somehow always knew that this was going to happen, and he is distracting Minister Fudge. <laughs> I guess probably at the beginning of the day, he was like, you know, that hippogriff might be useful to me someday. And I know Hermione has a time turner, <laughs> so mm -hmm. I can just make that happen. There's a point where they're waiting for the Dementors to show up or something. And Harry is just describing how it'll be great. Just me and Sirius, someplace where we can see the sky. And Hermione is just staring lovingly at Harry the whole time. <laughs> She's like, wow. She's like, he didn't oh. say Sirius. He, he said, said Hermione. Hermione. <laughs> uh, I kind of took that as her being like, I don't know how he thinks that's going to happen. Like, even if we save Sirius, there's no way he'll just live a nice, happy life. Dude, and hearing Hermione go, ah, the only thing a werewolf will respond to is the mating call of a female werewolf, and yet they can't tell it apart from Hermione. <laughs> she did Snape's homework, right? Like, No, she did do Snape's homework. That's how she knew it. His homework was teaching you <laughs> how to seduce a werewolf? <laughs> that was it. Thanks, Snape. Maybe it's just Lupin, though. We do know he likes younger women. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> no. Uh -oh. People are going to get really mad at us for bagging on what Lupin it's true. so much. He does like younger <laughs> no, women. No, he does. Now we are to the best shot in the movie. It's when the werewolf is coming after them and Harry and Hermione just cradle each other and <laughs> hug each other. It's like the cutest shot ever. Dude, it's so good. 
consistently in every single movie, and I have to assume that this is just the directors, they're just like, okay, let's get Hermione and Ron together in a shot. And they're like, oh, oh, uh, get, get Ron out of there. Let's put Harry. Oh, that looks nice with Harry. Yeah, let's just do Harry. I mean, I think that there is at least some proof to that, because I know that in the seventh movie, there's this super random scene while Ron is off where Hermione and Harry start dancing. The director specifically mentioned that he was like, yeah, this scene is just sort of like a what might have been where they're like imagining if we could have yeah, been it's what together. everyone wanted. Right. And like that scene wasn't in the book. It was only there because the director was like, these two look great together. Exactly. And they do. And that that shot is great when they're just hugging as the werewolf is yes. coming and they're like, oh, at least if we die, we die, die together. together. Just like him and Tom. Harry and Hermione come back to the hospital room and then Dumbledore, as he's walking away, they're like, we did it. And then he says in his perfect, like, Peter Gamble. Did what? No, he just kind of croaks. Did what? And then walks away. <laughs> did what? <laughs> oh, it's like a frog. <laughs> anyway, I like that reading of that line. And then there's a scene where Harry goes to see Lupin and Lupin is packing up because he has to leave. And that's why he does feels no remorse about returning the Marauder's map to Harry because he's not a professor anymore. But in that scene, he indicates that perhaps Snape is the reason that he was fired because someone let it slip that he's a werewolf. Yeah, so he probably shouldn't have ever worked there in the first place. Right, no, like you're supposed to feel really sympathetic for Lupin. It's like, Lupin, you put everyone in danger. You almost murdered three students and a teacher, right? Like, I'm sorry, that's not okay. Snape did a very good thing when he let it slip. (laughs) Yeah, he should have let it slip a year ago. Even if you're giving him like the most possible, like, you know, well, he's a human too, and he shouldn't be held back by his, you know, disability and there should be, you know, allowances made for him, sure. But he needs to take his potion and... And he didn't. <laughs> he put people in danger because of it. So, yeah. Right. Harry summarizes this movie very nicely when he says, none of it made any difference. Pettigrew <laughs> escaped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, as we already talked about, like this movie could be removed and it wouldn't make any difference. There we go. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban done. I don't think we actually had a lot of evidence for any of our theories. <laughs> no. There, I mean, there really was not a lot of scenes even with Hagrid. I think there was maybe a little bit of evidence for Snape, but there's been a little bit of evidence in every movie so far. None of it good. <laughs> After that conversation, I'm actually feeling like I believe all of our theories a little less than I did. Oh, right? no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're yeah, digging yeah, our I, I own graves. Dumbledore being a dark wizard, though, or at least massively irresponsible, that one yeah, I can get behind. Obviously, of course. Even though, you know, it might be maybe one of my less favorite Harry Potter movies. I think it's a fun movie. Still. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I, I love watch. all and the, the actors do absolutely amazing. So like good. you said, some of those scenes them. toward the end are just magical. Frida, thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next time. We are at some point going to go over Harry Potter 4, The Goblet of Fire, which I think will be one of the most theory rich movies in the entire Harry Potter cinematic universe. So uh, make sure you catch it later. And it's a great movie. Can't wait. In the meantime, if you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, we're active on Twitter at Popcorn Isn't Real. So give us a follow. We'll keep you updated when we release things. Also, you could talk to us. Let us know if you just hate our theories or if you love our theories. We'd we'd love to have a chat. Music for this episode was provided by Christine. Remember, the popcorn Popcorn isn't real. real. Do, 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 do.